Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Awesome. It's a pleasure to have you all here and uh, enjoy. It's a good. It's a good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. 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 Uh, anyway, if you guys want to open with me with a word of prayer, we'll be in uh, Matthew today, but going verse by verse like normal. If you just want to open with me with a word of prayer, and then we'll get to our get to our scripture. Dear heaven of all, dear God of heaven all, heaven and all earth, Lord, we just thank you for bringing us here. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. I, I ask again, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would run free in this place today. And that you would have total reign today, Lord God. Help us not think about the world or anything in the world, Lord. Or help us to think about you, Lord, and what you're telling to us here, Lord, and what you're saying to us. Praise you and thank you, dear God, for you are good. We are not, Lord, but you are good. We are weak, but you are strong. And Lord, prepare our hearts to hear your word today and prepare our minds, Lord God, that we would not have any distractions, Lord. Keep all distractions away. May you be glorified and may your word be spoken powerfully here in this day and speak revelation to us, powerful revelation to us, Lord. And give me the utterance, Lord, that I need to do this, Lord, to do this job for you. Give me wisdom and give me the ability. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys want to open up to Matthew chapter 6? and be in verse 24 today. So Matthew 6, 24. All right. I'm going to read it. And then we'll get started. So Jesus says to us, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So as I mentioned last week, Jesus, throughout his great Sermon on the Mount, was teaching us about different godly topics. He moved last week, we talked about what's inside of us. Weeks before that, we talked about religious hypocrisy and so on and so forth. So we've had many godly topics that Jesus has touched on since he's been on the Sermon on the Mount. Here, he switches gears again with us and to us. And he, and he talks about yet another godly topic, and he makes a very powerful statement about mammon. Uh, again, just like our last section, Jesus doesn't really go real in-depth with this one little statement. It's actually two sentences and one verse, Matthew 6, 24. But that's on the surface. But the Bible, as we'll see as we keep moving on, has a whole lot and is so deep on this actual topic than Jesus actually touched on here. And, you know, I have to stop before we start teaching and I have to say that, of course, Christ is amazing. God is awesome. He always does this. Many times Jesus just threw out there one little statement or one little sentence or one little verse or one little section of teaching. And then he didn't go real in-depth at that moment, at that time. He just kind of shot it out there. 
Now, we can just hear him quickly, hear him make that statement, and then move on, like unfortunately many of the people did when they listened to him back when he was alive, in the flesh, living on earth, in his ministry. Or we can go and dig and go in depth and listen intently and go and dig and dig and dig on what he said to see if there was anything more that he had to tell us than that one little thing or that one little statement that he made. Jesus does this on purpose, as we've been studying. He does this on purpose. Why does he do this on purpose? He does this on purpose because why? He wants to see if we're interested to take the next step and to just hear him or to listen and go and dig and see what he had to say and, and go deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus even said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you shall receive. All of those three things were things that involved us hearing or, or just knowing something and then going deeper. Like we could see that ground. I wonder what's under that ground. And then you take a shovel and you start digging. So praise God, that's what we're always going to do here at Gospel Saving Church. We're always going to dig a little deeper than the surface of those one-liners that Jesus had like we're going to do here today. Let's roll. The whole context of this whole message is about mammon. What is mammon? Mammon, the Greek word is mamanos. The definition is mammon, treasure, or riches, where it is personified and opposed to God. We'll talk about that personification a little later and that full definition of mammon a little bit. But just so keep your mind on that, but we're going to go away from that for a moment. Up to this point in Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount, he has not even addressed one sentence except until now about riches and money and wealth, mammon, uh, that we are have now on this planet. He talked about us having spiritual wealth if we serve him the way he wants us to now. He talked about us having riches in heaven as we, you know, as we move on from this earth and it's a revolving door. We'll move from one life and we'll move into another life, hopefully life. I pray life for many or death for some, depending on the decision that they make here. But it's a revolving door. We move from one to the next. And he talked about that spiritual wealth. If we serve him the way he wants, we'll get great spiritual treasure in heaven. But until here, he does not address riches or wealth or money in our lives at all. If I had to summarize this whole one sentence with one quick little statement, it would go a little something like this. Jesus says simply that a person cannot serve God and riches and wealth. Now, if we just took it at that, we could be done with it right now. Let's close our Bibles and let's pack it up and let's move on. If that's all that we had, if we only, again, looked on the surface. But we're going to dig a little deeper to see if some, Jesus is saying something else here to us a little deeper. So the heart of this verse here we have is Jesus saying to us, if we try to serve God and mammon, we will end up hating and despising the one and loving and being loyal to the other. So this verse is really a warning to us. Look at what he says. Read it again. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. We can try to serve God and riches and wealth, but what did he say? It's going to end up in one end. Maybe we're going to love one of them 
and we're going to hate another. So Jesus being the loving God as he is, of course, he says, hey, don't do that. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to love one, you're going to hate the other. So on the contextual surface, the meaning of the scripture is, verse 24, you cannot serve God and mammon. But the Bible as a whole says no one can serve God or any other master. And that's actually where we'll get, deep, where we'll get deeper later on. Mammon, riches, wealth. I will start out by saying right now, am I against riches or wealth or having things in this life? Absolutely not. Was Jesus against you having money or having riches or having wealth then or now? Absolutely not. He's not against it. Why is Jesus warning us about riches and wealth here? Let's look, let's look at this. Remember what I told you about that definition? Mammon, riches, wealth. When it is personified, Okay, that personification, that's a key. Plain English, because I needed it a little bit too, I kind of knew, but I wasn't exactly sure what does personification mean. Def definitions, three of them, of personification, and you'll see a big key here. To attribute human nature or character to an inanimate object or an abstraction, as in speech or writing. To represent a thing or abstraction in the form of a person as in art. To embody a quality, idea, etc. in a real person or a concrete thing. Now do you see the very definition of personification? God, that's what God has a problem with. When we take riches or wealth or things and hold them up to or exalt them above him. That's what personification means. Making wealth, making riches a concrete thing in your life. And he says it. We cannot serve God and mammon. Notice what place Jesus put mammon. You cannot serve two masters. He gave mammon the word master as a way to describe mammon and what it is or what it can be. And notice he said, sir, when you give something a title of master, you give it a concrete or solid form. Just like the definition of personification. Personification was giving an inanimate thing or something a concrete title or a concrete place in your life. And what is the biblical word of definition of master? The master, the Greek word is kiros. And it's he to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, master, lord, the possessor and disposer of a thing, the owner, one who has control of the person, the master. So Christ here is, again, warning us not to even try to serve God and mammon because by us serving mammon, Mammon, we make it, or wealth or riches, which is that which mammon is, we make it a secondary master unto the Lord God. He says this because he knows that if we do this, we'll end up loving the one and hating the other. In the case of mankind as a whole, whether you're Christian or whether you're not a Christian, in the case of mankind as a whole, who do you think, if you try to serve mammon, wealth, or riches, who do you think 
or I should say, who do we see in the world? What do we see, people in the world, who ends up winning? Well, by our America that we live around, if you just look at those around you, and if you just even just examine lives and the wealthy societies that we live in, it's obvious to see that certainly God is not winning the battle. Men, women, and even children are worried about what do the Joneses have? What does everybody else have? And then what are they doing? They're going out there to get it and they're giving their lives away to get it. They're selling God out and they're going after riches and wealth and mammon. So what does God's word say on mammon as a second master? If you want to go to 1 Timothy 6.10, it's a little hard to find. So if you don't want to go, you can just listen. I'm going to read it. But 1 Timothy 6.10. Because we could look around and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about what I see here around us. You know, maybe, you know, maybe that's not really the case. But what does God's word say about making money a second master? 1 Timothy 6.10. If you're not there, I'm going to read it. You could just listen along. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is a key here. For which some, having strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Get it? The love of money. What did it do there? When you love something, what are you doing? You're giving it a concrete position in your life. When you love someone. When you love a thing, when you love money, when you love riches, you're giving it a concrete position in your life. What did he say? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. That was Paul writing to Timothy. That was about 1,850, 1,900 years ago. Do we see it happening today? People are going out and look what they're doing for money in our society that we live in. They love money. When you love something, they're lifting it up to an exalted position, either equal to or above God, and from which some have strayed from the faith. They were Christians. They started loving money. They went out and they loved money, and they strayed from the faith due to their love of money. We can go back to Matthew, since that's where our verse is, in chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And look at 16 through 22. About a certain rich guy. A certain rich young ruler that Jesus talks about, has an encounter with. In Matthew 19, 16 through 22. I'm going to read it. Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All things I have kept from my youth. 
What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, you could say there, if you want to be saved, because that word perfect, if you want to be saved, go, sell what you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and, notice coupled with that, come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This rich young ruler had made his wealth his concrete master. But he also lived a pretty good godly life. I think Jesus would have called him out on his not keeping the commandments. If he wouldn't have kept the commandments, God knew it all. God knows everything. Jesus could have said, dude, no, you haven't. You're a wicked, evil, filthy sinner. You've broken every Ten Commandment. You've broken every one of the commandments a hundred times. But that Jesus didn't call him out on that, I think is saying a lot. I think this guy did live a pretty good, godly life. But in the recording here that we just read, which master won his heart at the end? Read it. Go sell what you have, give it to the poor, verse 21, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard it, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Mammon, riches, wealth, won his heart in the end. Although he was a godly man, he lived a pretty godly life. What did Jesus say? No one can serve two, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or be loyal to one and, and despise the other. We see he's, this rich young ruler is a very perfect picture. When it came right down to the nuts and bolts of it all, Mammon, God, they were both master in his life. He was trying to serve both. Jesus said, you can't serve both. you got to give up the one and come to God and love God. And he said, oh man, I can't do that. I'm out. See ya. So you see that Jesus knew that the money was a God, a master to him. So when Jesus told him the will of God for his life, which was and is that God wants our hearts and lives totally, and it simply isn't willing to share us with anyone or anything, the young man went away sorrowful. He simply walked away from God completely. Why did he do that? Didn't I just say Jesus tells us the dangers? Matthew 6, 24, you will love the one and be loyal to the other. Hate and despise the one. When you try to serve any kind of master and God, he chose to hate God and love mammon. Wow, is all I could say. If I had the opportunity, Jesus is walking right here, right now. I can't say that I would keep anything. He had Jesus in the flesh right there walking among them. The holy lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he traded him. Come and follow me. He could have been a disciple. And the man left sorrowful because he had too many things. One last main scripture. Go to Luke chapter 8. We're going to see that money and riches and wealth can and looks like Jesus says will be a part of all Christians' lives, except they're all going to be tested in that way. Go to Luke 8, 4. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. 
Luke 8, 4. I'm going to read it 8, uh, eight 4 through 8, and then 12 to 15. And when a great multitude, Jesus is teaching again here in Luke. He did that a lot. He was a great teacher. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come down from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. But others fell on good ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears, let him hear. So skip down to verse 12. He gives us the explanation on this parable. His disciples came to him and they said, hey, why do you speak to them in parables? And he goes through this little little discourse with them and everything. And then he gives them, the ones that came, that wanted to hear, the ones that dug a little deeper. So let's say right now we're those that are digging a little deeper, just like the disciples did here between verse 8 and 12. We're digging a little deeper. Let's be those disciples. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's say, hey, Jesus, what do you mean by that? Verse 12. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So what he's talking about is here, he's talking about an evangelist. An evangelist is going out and he's sowing seed for God's kingdom. He's sowing the word of God into people's hearts. He says, verse 12, those by the wayside, because that was the first one Jesus talked about. Ones by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 13, that was the first one. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. So this second seed is a person that really received the word of God. He grabbed it, he took it, He started bearing fruit for the kingdom of heaven. But, what does it say? These are the ones on a rock. Those here receive the word with joy and they have no root. And what was their counterpart? Some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because of lack of moisture. It had no root. Their root wasn't really in Jesus in the long run. They just faded away. But here's our verse today. Because here's our Matthew 24 today. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Verse 15, we'll finish it up. But the ones who fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now, What happened to the person who was walking with the Lord? That one seed fell among thorns. That person started to bear fruit. But as that person started to bear fruit, as they grew and their fruit grew, what did Jesus say happened to them? When they have heard, they go out, they go out and are choked with what? Cares, riches, and the pleasures 
of life. And they bring no fruit to maturity. Now, think about a plant that's growing and think about weeds that are growing next to it. And if that weed is choking out that plant, and it chokes that plant, and it brings no fruit to maturity, what happens to fruit that's not brought to maturity? It dies. It withers away. Jesus said it. You can't serve two masters. Hate the one, love the other. Be loyal to one, despise the other. This is a person that got that third seed that let all the things of the world come in there. They let the mammon of the world creep in and choke them out. That fruit dies. And then there's only one seed that bore, that bore good fruit, and that was the seed that landed on the good soul. But I, in my own life with Christ for 12, 13, 14 years now, I've been hit with every single one of those seeds. Satan's tried to come at me and tried to, give me that. He's tried. Oh, you don't believe that. That's hokey pokey. He's tried to make it hot on me. That second seed, and there's like, there's like three or four recordings of that parable. That second seed was the heat. People were persecuting uh, that person for the gospel. That's happened to me. I've gotten persecuted for the gospel. People have made fun of me. People have mocked me. I've lost friends. Even all family members have yelled at me and turned away from me. That's that second seed. I've, I've had that one happen too, but I, I went through it. And I've had the riches and wealth. I've had the opportunity since I've been a Christian, since I've been saved, to turn away from God and al align myself with a job that would make more money that would, of course, choke out the life I lived for Christ. But I didn't take it. Only the good soil, only the soil that keeps, that goes through all those things and endures to the end should be the one that gets saved. And be assured of this, if you are making riches a master or you're starting to make them a master, read verse 24 with me. Slowly again. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Please don't be deceived. Don't think to yourself, well, riches, they're not my God. They're not, they're not a master to me. What does it mean to make riches a master? What did Jesus say here in verse 24? Service. So let's ask ourselves here. Because it's easy. To, the devil comes in easily and tricks us. Other things can become our master and he tricks us. And we don't even really realize it right off the bat. And then they, they just sneak in there and they come in and they snap us. And then if, we, if we're not careful and we walk into it. So let's, let's ask ourselves a couple things here. Which one do you spend each one of your days serving? Your job or God in your job? Because there is a difference. We all have to work. Bible says if a man will not work, he's worse than an unbeliever. We all have to work. What are we serving? Who are we serving in our days? Are we serving that job? Are we serving what we have to do only or are we keeping God throughout it all and representing him in what we do and bringing him into that job 
and being a light for him. Because that's the difference. One is, I'm only about me. I'm serving my job. I'm doing my thing. One is, I represent God and I'm here to do his work. I'm here to do what he wants me to do. Or, do you do as the definition of master says, do you let your job rule over you and have ownership of you and your life? Do you spend your days thinking and worrying about what you have and what you need? Because we'll see next week in verses 25 through 34 that worry can actually become your master too. You can worry so much, you're not concerned or you're not trusting in God. And then when you worry your life away, you're being so concerned about what you have or what you don't have, you're making that a master. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. Let's talk about the concept. We've talked about the concept of serving God and mammon. But what about other things in this America? What about other things in our lives that can fall into that category? Let's stretch across from mammon now. Let's go across to general things here in America. What do you let master you on a daily basis? Anything you find yourself being consumed with that's not God will become a master slash God in your life. Check out these. And believe me, trust me, I've known people, I myself have been tempted with these things. Family can become a God to you. Family can turn into your master. Friends, being so consumed with your family, i got to spend time with my family. I mean, I love my family. They're my family. But if you're spending time above, if you're spending time with your family above your devotion to God, you're making family or friends a master. God says, first, I want to be first. You can make your wife or husband or kids or even your parents your master's. If, again, you serve them and you're all consumed with them, you can make those your master as well. Couponing, shopping, spending money. Easy. Easy. I work for a retailer in this great America that we live in. And I see the people. God's given me the ability to see people. People come into our store. People come into the business I work for just to spend money. It makes them feel better. That's just what they do. They go and they serve spending their money. They serve shopping. What time are they spending with God? Well, when you talk to them, they have godless conversations. So it's not like they're serving God. They're serving the things of this world. We can make TV or even healthy living, politics, food, religion, cars, toys, computers, your home, video games, yourself, the environment, saving the whales, any cause. You can make any cause your master. Absolutely. Anything that you do above God or holding it to God or serving that can absolutely become your master. Especially wealth and riches like we talked about today. Any of these can become a master. If you're not careful, 
to continue to surrender to Christ daily and to serve Him. And if you think I'm lying, and if you think, there's no way, Ed. There's no way, Pastor Ed. My, my, uh, my wife, my car, my house, they can't become my God. No, no, there's no way. Well, then you have to refute with Jesus because he says in Matthew 10, 37, he says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So you can say, Ed, you're crazy. But Jesus said, if you even love your own father and your own mother more than you love me, you're making them a master. If you love your own kids more than you love me, you're making them your master. And Jesus said here in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters. For he'll hate the one and love the other. Or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Forget mammon. Anything. Cannot serve God and anything. I ask you, I exhort you, I plead with you, whoever you are, wherever you are, listening to this, examine your lives today. Who or what do you make the master of your life every day? Who or what? Do you make the master of your life every day? Who or what do you give the control of your life to every day? Who? What in your life? Think. Holy Spirit, reveal it to him. Who or what do you make, do you give control over you every day? Could it be your worry? Could it be your finances? Could it be your family? Could it be your job? Could it be any of these that you're letting control you on an everyday basis? Because if you're letting it control you, remember the definition of master. Anything or anyone that controls you, that owns you, that's your master. In Deuteronomy 4.24, Moses says of God that he is a consuming fire. A jealous God. You see, God loves you. God loves us. And we are His top priority. We are everything to Him. All creation that you see out there is for one thing and one reason only. It's to show us how real God really is is he does it all for us because we're top priority to him now here's the deal he wants us to make him our top priority that's how relationship works you cannot have a relationship with only one way relationship has to be Two ways. If somebody loves you, you have to love them back or else you don't have a relationship. And God puts us at the very top of his list above all creation. He wants us 
to put him at the top of our list. Absolutely. He's a consuming fire. He wants all of you. He doesn't want just a piece of you. He doesn't just want half of you. Or he doesn't want you on your best days. Or all he only wants you, you know, I only want you on your worst days. He wants all of you. But here's why. He gave all of himself for you. Not a hair on your head does he not know. Not everything you do in life does he not know. He knows everything about you. The Bible says that not even one sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing about it. And Jesus says, how much more value are you, O oh, you of little faith? If God knows one sparrow, we wouldn't give except for veering our car, not to hit the bird on the road, we wouldn't give two cares about a sparrow. Many of us wouldn't. And if we are, to have care for him is one thing. To serve him, that's another. Romans 5, 6-8. The Bible declares, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for the birds. He didn't die for the planets. He didn't die for your house or for your car or for your money or for your stuff or for your food. He didn't die for all that. He died for us. Because again, we are the number one most important thing to God in everything that we made, that He made. Now I've seen a graph about solar system before, about the universe before. And it was a graph, it was an email that showed all these different planets. And it showed the sun, and it showed the earth, and it showed Venus and Mars, and it showed some of the great stars in the galaxy. And as you moved up the ladder, our sun is one of the smaller ones, and the earth next to the sun is minuscule. The sun next to a greater star was minuscule. The, the star, that greater star next to the next greatest star was absolutely minuscule. If you got out about six or seven stars that were greater than our sun, which in the span of things that he showed you were nothing compared to the greatest star, the earth was as small as a grain of sand. That's the whole earth was as small as a grain of sand, comparatively speaking to not even that many greater stars bigger than our own sun. Now if the earth compared with that third largest star past our sun was a grain of sand, how big would one of us, which is like a grain of sand on the earth, be on that grain of sand, comparatively speaking, to three or four stars up from us? Folks, we wouldn't even be an atom. We wouldn't even be a grain of sand on our beach. That's how small we'd be. But God, doesn't, God doesn't care about your size. He doesn't care about how big you are. 
how small you are, how tall you are, how short you are. He gave everything for you. He wants you to give everything of yourself to him. You will for sure make one thing in life your enemy. Will it be God or will it be the stuff that's in your life, whether it be mammon or whatever else that's in your life right now that God's already brought to your mind, things that I serve or things that I hold up there in a very high regard. You will serve something and someone, the Bible really says. My question to you today is, who are you serving? Who have you said, I want you to be my master? Please be my master. Jesus said in Luke 9.23, because he knows that we'll fall to something. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. Every day you'll be confronted with things that'll want to take you away and want to take your attention and want to take your focus off of your Creator. Are you desiring, number one, to come after Him? Are you denying yourself? Are you taking up your cross daily? And are you following Jesus? It looks bad for us according to what we read in God's Word. If you have more than one master in your life, you'll fall to it. And according to what we read in God's Word, it won't be God. Our own human flesh tendency is to fall for the things that are of this world. It'll be, it'll be to fall for our fleshly things. Warning is what Jesus put out there. Warning. Warning, warning, warning. Please, please, please turn now away from those things that you are serving outside of God and turn your heart to Him and give Him all of yourself. If you don't show Him you're interested in Him now, He will know that you are not interested in Him and being with Him for all eternity. If you reject Him now, you will reject Him forever. And it won't be because he's not trying to get your attention. Because God loves you. And he paid the great price for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word today. And thank you so much that you are such a loving God that you give us these warnings. Don't do it. You're not giving us these warnings because you're some vicious, evil taskmaster that hates if we have any joy or any fun, Lord. You know that if we do the things that you tell us not to do, they'll be damaging to us. And Lord, if we make anything our master outside of you, if we serve anything in this life outside of you, we will fall to that thing because the flesh is so strong. So, Lord, you wouldn't have warned us if we couldn't do it. You don't waste your words. So I pray, sweet Jesus, please, for anybody and everybody listening, I pray for them all, Lord, right now, or that it will ever listen to this message. 
I pray that you would show them the things in their lives right now that they hold as a master, that they serve, that they worry about, or that they trust in outside of you. And I pray that they would turn away from them. And they would choose this day who they're going to serve. And I pray it wouldn't be the things of this world. I pray that they would not be like the rich young ruler who when confronted with whom you wanted them to serve, which was you, because we you can't share you won't share us with anybody because we won't we just won't. We'll love the one and hate the other. And I pray, Lord, that right now whoever's listening would turn away from those things that have mastership over them and only turn to Christ and only live for Christ and only let Christ be their master. And no one or no thing or anything that you would have that first place and only place in their heart. And Lord, I pray for just, we all have those things, Lord. Burn them out of our lives, Lord. Burn them out of our lives. Show us what things are, have mastership over us. And burn them out of our lives. And I pray that we would serve you and only you. Chasten us, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit and your fire. And winnow away in us and with us all the things that are not godly. I love you and I praise you, dear Jesus. I ask all these things in your mighty name. Amen.